Hello, podcast family. Um, today is March the 16th. It's a Monday, 2020. Um, we're coming out of a weekend of absolute craziness in our uh, American communities where we've watched um, store shelves be emptied of toilet paper and and um, necessities like bread and things of this nature. And um, we know there's a lot of fear going on um, in both inside and outside of the church. And um, we um, had the opportunity to hear from um, the founder of Denton Freedom House in Denton, Texas, um, shared a very uh, powerful message on Sunday that we heard online. And we were um, just blown away by the perspective that Jeremy offered on what is currently going on and um, found it to be um, uh, very interesting and refreshing and thought-provoking and we felt like it would be uh, very beneficial to place this out there on the podcast for our audience just to hear maybe a different perspective than what they've currently been hearing on the subject. Um, I wouldn't say that's going to be necessarily what you're typically going to hear, but maybe something that would be good for you to hear and feel like you can at least gain some really, really good nuggets out of this message. Hopefully we'll um, gain some um, faith as well and hopefully gain some um, some just deep thought provoking things to, uh, really meditate on and, and prayerfully consider. Um, we hope that you also come out of listening to this message with, um, just a lot of compassion, uh, for those around you and, and a prayerfulness that we really need to be on our faces seeking God during this time. We really need to be in a state of spiritual warfare, which we should always be in, but in particularly at this time, um, there is just a lot of things that we need to be going to the throne of God to um, just to get before the face of God, to get direction, to get um, correction if need be, to get direction if need be, um, and to get um, just healing for others. Just be really before God's throne, please, as a church. Um, it is our job. It is our duty. It is our privilege. And so... Um, we would just we think that you'll be really really encouraged um, by this message and some of the, the content of it and um, the perspective that Jeremy offers. So uh, we just want to in lieu of our regular teaching this week, um, we would like to introduce you to uh, Pastor Jeremy Adams, the founder of Denton Freedom House in Denton, Texas. Um, so if you don't know about Denton Freedom House, it is a ministry, um, just a non uh, non denominational ministry in Denton, Texas that helps guys coming off the streets, off drugs, out of prison, and uh, just disciples them and mentors them and also helps teach them job skills and um, get them as a, a blessing, help them reestablish themselves as a blessing in their communities. And so strongly encourage you to check out their ministry at some point as well. Um, so here is uh, Jeremy Adams from Denton Freedom House. You won't regret listening to this, I promise you. As of 5 o'clock yesterday, I believe, where they have banned now any gatherings over 250 uh, citywide. And so that is why many churches around the community have canceled their services uh, this morning. Some have canceled them involuntarily due to the restrictions that have been placed on by the mayor. Uh, others have uh, canceled them voluntarily uh, just uh, in deference to the recommendations that are being made. Uh, we've decided to have them and will continue to. Uh, I'm going to be here whether anyone else is or not. I will be here every Sunday. And uh, so if you are, um, we're not going to force.
force or compel or guilt you into being here, but if you are here of your own uh, free conviction and volition, then you are welcome. And if we have to, if we start taking in other services and have to have multiple services on Sunday, we'll, we'll do that to accommodate those who want to continue to gather and worship uh, God in the midst of this national uh, crisis. So, uh, yep, that's a little bit about what's going on practically. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, if all of you uh, made your run on your toilet paper. <laughs> Y'all got some stockpiles of toilet paper? <laughs> I've been kidding. My wife has said, you know who's not concerned about the run on toilet paper at this point?
who still live in, quote-unquote, what you call third world, what I call developing nations. I'm not sure what's third and what's first. I'm not sure what the first world is. I'm not sure what the second world is. I'm not sure what the third world is. When all of the stock markets of the world fall and fail, you know who's going to be eating and who's not? They're going to be eating and you're not. Do you know why? Because we don't know how to live our lives because we are dependent upon this we are dependent upon Costco, Walmart, the banks, the banking system. We're dependent upon the technologies and the conventions of the modern world. And the house of cards is coming down. It's coming down. You with me? Yeah. <clears throat> chapter 22 verse 2 says it says the poor and the rich have one thing in common anybody complete that verse Proverbs 22 2 the Lord is the maker of them all the Lord is the maker of of them all. We're all God's children. Aren't we? <clears throat> Pull up uh, James chapter 1 there. Michelle, uh, maybe, I don't know, verse 10, somewhere along there. That Lord just gave that one. Just up here. and the 
maker of the rich. You get some insight to spiritual matters as a spiritual people who can appraise all things, including the corona, the quote-unquote coronavirus, and the events unprecedented that all of us are walking through in this moment. There's some things that the man or the woman or the child that is committed to the Great Commission and who live their lives as missionaries in this world, there are some things that we learn along the way that help us through uncharted and unprecedented circumstances. I don't know about you, but just a few days ago, I mean, would you have imagined today, a week or even two weeks ago, would you have imagined where we are at? Wasn't it almost just overnight that like the entire atmosphere shifted and altered and it was perceivable and discernible to even the unbeliever? I mean, just getting out in your car and going to the streets, there's something. It was it was in many ways like 9-11, but in other ways unlike 9-11. In some sense, 9-11 more explainable, more understandable, at least in the ability to define what's taking place and what's happening, as surreal as it was at the time. Talking to, I've been talking to a, past, a couple of pastor friends. I like to, I like to just to keep in touch with men who have their ear uh, tuned to the heart and spirit of God. I like those are the kinds of guys I like to fraternize with. And there's not very many around that I trust truly uh, understand the times in which we live uh, fully. Uh, but there's a few out there, and so I like to be in conversation with them during these times. Not so much because of my own. I just like to hear. I like to hear, what's God saying to you in the midst of what's taking place? Called a buddy of mine yesterday. said, what are you preaching tomorrow? So I want to know what you're... And, and he just started going down the litany of what God had laid on his heart, the insight that God has given him. Uh, into what's taking place right now, and it was it was almost uncanny uh, the thoughts that God is placing in His heart, His mind, and the message that He wanted to communicate and convey to His people and the sheep that God had given Him responsibility over, because it was the very things, some of the very things uh, that I was thinking. Though there was there was a few things that were uh, God had showed Him that He hadn't showed me, and vice versa. But as I tested that through a couple of, it was, it was again, it was remarkable that they, it was almost like we were listening independently in completely different places, in completely different geography, to the same Holy Spirit, to the exact same Holy Spirit. I mean, down to individual verses. Out of, out of, I mean, it's not like, well, you just. You know, there's only some. No, there, there is a. There is a. There are 66 books of the Word of God from which to choose. Literally thousands of different references that you could go to in a time like this to preach from. I mean, the, the, from Genesis chapter one all the way to Revelation chapter two. There's no shortage of counsel in the Word of God for days and for moments like these. And yet, out of all of the full range of scriptures that we are in, there were a couple of. Uh, 
pivotal verses uh, that we zeroed in on. Uh, we'll talk about a few of those in a few moments. But as he and I talked, we we sensed together that what we are experiencing in this day was a was going to be one of those generational type of events that marks us. And you all, some many of you have lived long enough now to know that there are things that mark and define generations that become landmarks and that begin to, to shape and mold the world for many years, perhaps even decades to come. This seems, feels like one of those moments. And I'm, I'm concerned that it's, well, for some it will go well, but I'm actually more concerned that we're going to come out on the other side of this Okay, which we will. We will come out on the other side of this, okay? But my my concern is that we're going to come out on the other side of this, not learning the lessons that we ought to be learning in this time. And in fact, everything that the enemy has designed in these moments and these days will be reinforced in the hearts and minds of those who do not believe. In God, who do not believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's my fear. You see, we serve a God who has an adversary who is a master at the bait and switch. He is a master of inspiring people, inspiring doctrine, inspiring a philosophies and imaginations that create problems that do not exist that therefore can only be solved by the one who created the problem, and this is the devil. And he offers you a solution based on human wisdom and human thinking and human philosophy in the midst of the trial that he in fact created. Only when he gets you to believe what he wants you to believe, he removes the trial and the difficulty. And you become convinced it was because of the wisdom that you, your so-called wisdom that you were given in the midst of the trial. Does that make sense? There's a bait and switch taking place. And I am fearful that this situation is going to result in a net loss of dependency upon God and a greater dependency upon the totalitarian control of the enemy of God that he is seeking out of your heart, your life, your circumstances, in whatever form and manifestation uh, it's coming through, whether it is from, in many cases, and I've been, my, I've been writing letters right left. As I, as I build relationships with these with politicians and different leaders and, and policy makers and policy holders, those who hold the policies, who are they? They are the politicians. They are the media. They are the ones who control the media. They are, the, they are pastors. They are, uh, they are board directors in boardrooms with attorneys sitting them. These are all the ones who shape the policies that control your lives, your life and my life, and that we become, even those who disagree, we become subservient to them because we have no choice. You follow what I'm saying? I'm right, I'm right and left. 
Because I'm looking for anybody that has any courage and any faith in the midst of all of this, and I haven't heard nary a voice. I have heard nothing but fear, nothing but intimidation, no faith, no, no word of God, no counsel from the heart and the mind of God or His Word. I'm talking about among the policyholders. And so they're getting their information from somebody or somewhere, but it ain't God and it ain't His Word. I'm just going to drop a little fact on you right now, alright? Here's a fact. And by the way, when I have these discussions with people, I use their own data against them. And I'm not just talking about coronavirus. I like to do that because people are deceived. Let's talk specifically about the coronavirus. I did the calculation this morning. According to the World Health Organization's own statistics of how many people have died so far around the world from this virus. Do you know how many people it is? It's a barely over 5,000. I took that number and I, I pulled out my percentage calculator this morning. I googled percentage calculator. <laughs> and I entered in 5,000. And then I entered in the population of the world. 7.61 billion people on the face of this planet. And out of those 7.61 billion people, there's 5,000 that have died of coronavirus. And the overwhelming majority of them were people that were already living beyond the number of years that God had promised them. Because He promises you three score and ten. That's 70, 10 more by strength, that's 80. The overwhelming 95% of the people that are dying from it are all over the age of 80. And they already have serious underlying health conditions that a common cold many times can push them over the edge. I'm not minimizing the loss. I'm not minimizing the care or the concern for those who are suffering or who are vulnerable at that stage of their life. That is not what I'm saying. So I entered that into my, my, calc, my percentage calcul calculator. Do you know what the percentage of the world who has been affected by this, who has lost their life? Point, listen to this. Point zero, 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 six, seven. <laughs> Preach. What's going on here? Does anybody but me wonder what in the world is going on here? It's madness. It's nuts! It's demonic! Amen. Preach. I decided to pull up CDC's own statistics. This year alone, from October until today, the common flu has 
has affected over 45 million Americans. And over 50,000 deaths alone in this nation this flu season. And had we not said anything about any of it, you wouldn't have known. Because it's still just a fraction and it's still affecting largely those who are going. Let me, newsflash, you're going to die. <laughs> you are going to die. Well, 
it's the media, whether it's those who are... We are creating this environment for ourselves. By the way, this is what happens when the thinking and the ideas that have permeated our culture permeate and resonate within our culture. When we get these false ideas that we can create these make-believe safe places in our lives where we can inoculate ourselves from any and all pain, any and all hardship, any and all difficulty, any and all... It's, it's, it's illusory. It's a lie. It's not true. And we are indoctrinating generations of our youth and our college kids in, in these false ideologies. That life is safe. It's not. I'm not going to tell you that what's taking place even with the coronavirus, because there's far worse things right now on the globe than corona is even medically, but if it was the worst, I'm not going to tell you that every quote-unquote pandemic or plague is from God, though many sometimes can be. How do you say that? Why do you say that, Jeremy? Because that's what the Word of God says. Uh, going all the way back to some of the more infamous plagues in the Bible of, in Exodus, of course, when the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt and God would visit them with Egypt with plagues. And then you recall the story in the in the uh, uh, on Passover, when the Israelites themselves would anoint their doorposts with blood in order that when the death angel passed over, that their house would be exempted from the plague. God Himself, it says, and I wrote down multiple verses here where God Himself, it is said, is the sender of the plague, sometimes to His own children. And I promise you, I promise you, you that if and when God sends a plague, and He's promised plenty more, not just in the Old, but in the New, and in Revelation. In fact, it's pretty much said about the two witnesses in Revelation that they themselves will have unbridled authority to send whatever kind of plague, wherever they want to, whenever they want to. And I will guarantee you in those days, no amount of washing your hands, no amount of safe spaces, no amount of social distancing is going to stop the, the hand and the power of God from infecting your life with it. You see, those are the lies that are inherent in all of this. I asked, I asked others yesterday, I said, okay, social distancing, I'm now supposed to keep a certain spade, I'm supposed to, you know, where, you tell me, if we start going down that road, where will it stop? Complete isolation. Why? It's inevitable. Why complete isolation? Because fear will not relent. Because Corona's not stopping. Other other viruses are not going to stop. I hear this every year. Every year in this war against the flu, and you got to get this latest injection. I've not got one yet. <laughs> Every year. And we have, we have more cases of the flu today than we've ever did, in spite of their wisdom. It's ridiculousness. Where will it stop? It will only stop in complete and absolute isolation. That is your first that is your first sign who is the author behind this. Because ultimately, that's what he wants from you and from me. He wants us separated. He wants us alone and isolated in our obsessive
Vulgarity and obscenity become con commonplace and given hearty approval by those who are in positions of authority and influence. It is not a day goes by anymore that I don't hear politicians, that I don't hear celebrities dropping F-bombs casually in conversation with children in their earshot. Do y'all remember the day when that was shameful? I remember the day. This is going to affect, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say this. And I, this is not going to be a pop. I had a pastor email me morning. He said, Jeremy, make disciples, not fans. Amen. So if there's any fans in the room, especially fair weather ones, I may lose you after a couple of these statements. Come on. I remember the day when desecrating and degrading your body. And you can just fill in the blank however you want to fill that in. I'm going to call it degradation and desecration. When you de dese desecrated and degraded your body was considered taboo. In fact, we used to make movies like that. We would, Those guys were our... They were the... Uh, the villains in the movie. I mean, you imagine Hellraiser. Remember when you were you when you what if you wanted to scare someone and flip what you did? You made a movie called Hellraiser and you put a guy in the movie who had studs coming out of his eyes and his ears. Right? We've embraced it. We've embraced hell. We popularized it, we've institutionalized it, we've normalized it. I remember the day when gambling used to take place in back alleys and smoke-filled rooms. Now it is state-sanctioned, state and you can find a resort built around it, littering the highway from here to Fargo, North Dakota, every 30 miles. We've embraced hell. We've embraced the demonic. We have embraced the sensual. Another buddy sent me a quote. Sent me a quote. He said, Jeremy, you know what the real statistic that ought to be alarming, folks? We have killed 60 million babies since 1967, and we continue to kill 2,363 every day. 120 people have died from the coronavirus this year. 2,363 innocent children have been murdered in the womb. You want to talk about some misplaced fear, some misplaced greed, some misplaced priorities?
generation. Or another, and we are institutionalizing that in the family and in the home. That is demonic. It is from hell, and we've embraced hell as a people. Let's read over that. With the torment that you are causing, that our generation is causing our own children. Decided I would go to there's some interesting stuff as I've just been meditating on this. But I'm not <clears throat> I don't well I'm not even I'm not even gonna add, I don't think, uh, any aspects. I was I was meditating in
large part of what's taking place right now with the board brings across in behind these decisions because you've got board of directors. I don't know because I sit on boards. I know what I'm up against. you got board members who sit there and they have lawyers that are present in those meetings and they're terrifying them over what could happen in this litigious culture that we live in where everybody lives with their feelings on their sleeves and their make-believe safe spaces and everybody is offended and offended at everything and ready to pounce on anybody who offends them. And so you have attorneys that are sitting in these boardrooms scaring the, the bejesus out of these board members. And so they take the easy path. And then when they take the easy path, they now make the way for every other person in that industry, every other board in that industry to follow suit lest they be accused. It's a cascading effect, and that's what's happened. Fear has gripped the hearts of our nation. Not only our nation, this is what separates this event from anyone that ever before. The world. The world. So they have their interpretation. It's called the Talmud. And in the Talmud, in the Talmud, they, see if you see some parallels here, there was this demon named Shipta, and it was common knowledge in those days, and the religious leaders and the religious rulers would use it against the people because they would say that sitting on the hands of every person is this dark spirit named Shipta on your hands. And he would say that, they would say that if you fail to go through the appropriate steps of the ceremonial cleansing before you partook of any food or meal, that if you did that, that demon would then have legal right to not only your hands, but to your body, your soul, and your spirit to then curse you and begin to manifest itself evil against you and your body. That was what was in the heart and the minds of people who lived in that day. This is the verse. 
Trenton, it was placed on my heart. God gave it to you, and he gave it to me this morning. And an independent third witness, just completely out of the blue. Totally unrelated, without any context, conversation on Psalms 99. Can y'all turn there? I'm going to read some truth over us, okay? susceptible to something like the coronavirus? I'm a human being. Is that what I'm saying? No. I'm telling you, I've, been, I've tested this stuff for a long time. I have lived my life in absolute contradiction to what they say at every step. I have done things, I have, God has done things in my heart that they said could not happen. Chemically, addictive, with substance abuse and addiction and freedom from addiction, depression, I've been told all of the things from the shrinks, from the fist, I've been told it all. I've heard it all. I've been told what I can't do in the field. I have gone to India. I've lived in the most impoverished, disease-infested, polluted, literally the most polluted geography in the world. And I have done everything that they said not to do. And I'm standing before you today healed and whole in Jesus' name. I drink, I don't care who it is, I go into their village, their wells are shallow, they are lead, poisoned, they are infested with feces and urine because they they have what's called open latrine, they don't even have well houses, they don't have, uh, what do you call those, uh, those houses, those outhouses, they don't even have those. And so everything is open latrine and it all penetrates it around right into the drinking water because of the shallow wells. And I do what Jesus said to do. I don't maintain social distance. I go up and I grab them and I hug them and I kiss them. And I hold them. And then they will take a scoop of water out of their well and they will put it in front of me to drink and I will do what Jesus said in that moment and I will drink their water. Do I tempt God? No. Am I walking in the presumption? No. Why? I don't do that in my house. I take proper precautions in my house. We have that in our own system. Jesus told me when I go out two by two to the places that he's going to send me, and they said, well, you know, I'm in the middle of ministry. So I'm not presuming. I, you don't go test God with this stuff. That's not what I'm saying. <clears throat> but I'm not submitting to the fear and the conventions of men and what they say, whoever they are, which, by the way, the goalpost is always moving. <laughs> Have you noticed that? I've made a decision. I'm not moving. I believe the truth. And I'm going to stand on it until the day I die by the grace of God. Amen. I don't care what happens generationally. I don't know. I don't care what happens in our population and in our culture. How the, everyone's opinions change with the shifting sand and the shifting wind and every wind of doctrine that comes down the pipe. I'm not changing. I'm going to resolve to be informed by the Word of God, by the truth of God, by the wisdom of God, and by the counsel of God. And I am obeying Him and Him alone. I'm going to be here every week by the grace of God. If you want to worship here, you're welcome. All right? <clears throat> 
or six years now. I, the, the time that I got the sickest in India was the first time that I went when I wasn't even in ministry. Since then, I, I haven't even been sick in multiple years of going going in and out of those places. I, I just it rarely happens, and I I'm not I'm not braggadocious. I'm not thinking I stand less because I, I know by the grace of but somehow by the grace of God. Usually, everything's alright. And if it's not, you know what? That's okay. Because God may be have something to teach me. And there may be cause even for why I failed in this test or that test. And it may be my fault. And I might want to consider that. I may lack. I know this is not popular either, but Jesus says some of you don't receive the God because you don't have because you ask for the wrong motives. You ask to spend it on your own pleasures. Some of you, when there is a proverb that says that a cause, a, a curse, will not alight without a cause. I don't have to fear the curses that the enemy places on me or any of his minions or his... I do not have to fear the curses that would be placed on me if there is no cause for them. They will not alight on my life. No weapon that's formed against me will prosper. Sometimes we give cause in our life for curses to alight. What do I mean by that? You walking in unconfessed sin in your life?
Interesting, though, I thought about that. I texted another guy and said this. So this is this has revealed the shallowness of the foundation of the lives of these. I was watching. I was watching that uh, Mavericks game when the word came. The NBA commissioner announces they got it on the they got it on the side side on the court. The, the announcers got the word on, uh, and they're freaking out and the. And there, so you see the word start spreading throughout the, the stadium there. And, but they kept on and on, and I couldn't help but think, you know what my heart went out to? I know this. I actually start thinking, I'm like, I started interceding for Luka Doncic. You know why? This is what I was thinking. Here is a young man. He's a phenom. He's 20 years old right now. He's setting the world on fire in the NBA. And I was just thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, how this is going to shatter, literally shatter the world of uh, the overwhelming majority of the folks in the, in the NBA. Why? Because his entire life is built around it. That's all he knows. It's all he's ever known. His entire, all of his eggs are in that basket alone. And now all of a sudden, and I just, I imagine him, and I don't know, I don't think he's a person of faith, and God bless him if he is, and he, but I'm imagining how many of them how many of the athletes, the LeBron Jameses, the MLS, the NBA, the NFL, all of them, their lives revolve around this make-believe world that they've created for themselves. And not only them, but many of the politicians and many of the, of the elite media who live in these fantasy worlds. And it's when eternity comes knocking on the door of our heart, how quickly the shallowness of our lives and the foundation that we have built our lives upon is revealed, and it is why what you are watching is a symptom of a culture and a civilization who has built their lives on shifting sand. And Jesus says, when the wind comes, it's going to blow your house down. But those that have built our lives on the rock of Christ Jesus, on the foundation of His holy word and promise, we're not moved, we're not shaken, we don't act as if some fiery ordeal has overtaken us. No, we get alert, we get excited, and we get courage and faith, and we shine brighter and brighter in those moments. Are you with me? Amen. Psalm 91. Let me shoot you some pictures. 
pages sent pictures. They're at ground zero, these guys, of this stuff. You know, there's China, but then there's Iran. And next to China, they're the ones that have had the most deaths so far. Thousands. They're at ground zero, right in the heart of it. And do you know what our brothers and some of these guys are saved and been saved only six months, three months, one year? Do you know what they're doing every day? They're sending pictures back from the field right now, village to village, where they are defying the common, common sense and, and they are out preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ against every wind, against every spirit of oppression. They're out doing the will of God. Amen? Amen. Isn't that awesome? Psalms 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, he will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague. Come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. On their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and on the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot, because he hold fast to me in love. And perfect love casts out Speak the word of God. Speak the promise of God over every 
every single person that you meet be a witness for Jesus Christ. Be salt and be light Amen. in a dark day. Amen. Also, just want to add to the end of uh, this message just a little testimony of how um, this message was just inspirational and confirmation for something that um, Dean and I were kind of feeling um, even prior to listening to this message, which was not only just the extreme importance of prayerfulness and um, getting our faces before God and interceding for. Um, this world and and for the lost, um, but also just a just a strong urgency to be obedient to God's word and be out preaching the gospel right now to a very hopeless um, hopeless nation. And I I just would really encourage you guys all if you've been a little scared to share your faith or you're a little nervous or you feel intimidated, I would just like to share with you guys that um, that uh, if you can just pray for God's boldness and muster up the courage to take that first step. You would be amazed at how the enemy made it seem really difficult to you in your mind, but it really wasn't as hard as you thought it would be. Um, the enemy might, likes to make sharing the gospel seem overwhelming and difficult and impossible and only for those who are truly gifted um, to do it. And it's, it's really not that hard to share what God has done in your heart and in your life. And it feels that way, though. It feels that way at first. And, and, and I've done it a lot of times, but even every time, I always feel that from the enemy, trying to discourage me, trying to um, tell me I'm going to mess, mess it up or I'm going to offend someone. or It's just a constant battle of the mind. But we know what the Word tells us, and we know, we know also that there are people out there right now that are... You need to know that right now is a really good season if you're wanting to even just practice and say, hey, can I do this? Can I share my faith? Yes, you can. The Word says you can. The Word says that God will give you the words in which to speak. But you have to take those steps. You have to open your mouth. You have to go out there and do it. And then trust God to fill your mouth. Trust God to give you the words. Trust God to highlight people to you who you should share with. But I will say that just after listening to this message, um, I haven't shared my faith in a while. Um, and I used to do it more often and I've gotten really busy and overwhelmed um, and just haven't been, to be really honest, haven't done that in, in a while. And so the Lord just said, now's the time, get out there, do this. This is the time, you know, you, you know, and I just, I was very inspired and um, I would just um, encourage you guys to get out there. I called some friends of Christian friends of mine and I was like, we've been talking about doing this for a few months now, let's just do it. This is the time that people need to hear it. And um, right now, because of the fear and the panic that is going on in the world, people are much more open to hear a message of hope. They're much more open to be prayed for. Um, they, they're out there. You can go to Walmart or your grocery store. We just went to Walmart and uh, looked around for those who had the fullest grocery baskets that looked like they were in the greatest fear. You know, people who had, you know, 
10 rolls of toilet paper, 10 packs of toilet paper. Those are the people that are the most afraid. And those are the people that really need the hope that you have as a believer to offer them. Um, and so I just, I just encourage you guys to just go for it and, and not let the enemy create fear and doubt in your mind. And, um, we just went for it and um, as friends and went out there and saw God do some things and minister to some people and just, um, I don't have a formula for you. We just, we just prayed before we went in and in the car in the parking lot and just said, Lord, just highlight people to us. And we um, shared that with each other and just like when one would feel led, uh, the other would follow and um, we would just kind of approach people and say we're out at Walmart praying for people and though there's a lot of fear going on right now and just wanted to know if we could pray for you and um, we most everyone said yes we had and, and it actually didn't take as long as you would think and sometimes we get overwhelmed thinking oh it'll take forever I've got all this stuff I have to do I mean I'm a mom I understand but it actually um, we we uh, had we had about two hours, which is more than I would normally have. But this day we had about two hours, and in that two-hour period, we um, ministered to over twenty people, and that's a lot of people. And um, we just people were for the most part very open, and we had we wound up approaching some believers that just needed encouragement. We wound up approaching some people that were not believers. We wound up um, approaching people that were maybe seekers and and uh, were very interested and open and and hungry and listening and um, it was just pretty for the most part very well received. I think we only had maybe one person that was kind of like turned off by it, if you will, or annoyed. Uh, only one out of twenty that was annoyed. I mean, everybody else was very um, very eager to listen, and I think that's really awesome. And and that is is just shows that right now people are searching for answers and you have the answer Christian you have it we have it we have the hope um of the world and sometimes we get all into ourselves and we we hoard that hope to ourselves and and we're not sharing it with those that need it and so I would just encourage you and I'm trying to encourage myself just to keep doing it do it do it the first time you'll want to do it again I can tell you that after we did it we did actually did it um, Sunday after listening to this message um, and um, by Jeremy Adams. And we went out there and just praised God for for uh, the, the, how effective it was and how many seeds we got to plant and how many hearts were open and listening. And, and um, we can't wait to go back. So you do it once and you're going to want to do it again because the, the people are hungry. I would encourage you to go soon as we do know that day by day they're having more and more restrictions on us as far as they want us to stay at home and there's mandates for staying at home that are starting to develop and go out and share the hope before the government's making you stay in your house. (laughs) Um, and, uh, just, yeah, go out there while there's people actually even out there. You know, you, if you wait a week, there may not be anybody out there. And when you go to Walmart right now, there's a buttload of people out there that need to hear what you have to to treasure, the treasure that's in your heart. You need to give it away. And so I would just encourage you guys to do that and be bold and courageous in Jesus' name. So um, bless you guys. I'm praying for you guys to do that. I'm praying for all my Christian brothers and sisters to be bold in their faith and bold in their approach to the throne of God and praying for compassion and praying for mercy, praying for repentance in our land and in our world. And so get on your faces and also get out and share the gospel. Bless you guys.